Welcome to episode five of the Ruthless Regression Podcast. Mm-hmm. You know what I just noticed uh, watching back the video of last time is I think that you can see my feet when I touch you. Gross. <laughs> well, let's do introductions this week. Why not? Okay. I'm Levi. I'm Elizabeth. And we're married. Most of the time. <laughs> This week we're married. Yeah. We'll see about next week. We'll see if it lasts. It's been about a week since our last episode. Mm-hmm. How's your week been? Pretty good. Last week we were coming off a of vacation. This week has been super busy um, in a productive way. A lot of things in the works, a lot of life, a lot of career changes, a lot of fun to be had, cookouts, camping, gardening. Summer is in full swing. July is coming. We're excited. How about you? Good. We had a nice summer party. Mm-hmm. Got some vo- <laughs> Pardon me. Some volleyball in. Mm-hmm. Had some family and friends, some good food. Yeah. Life feels pretty good. Wrestling has been good, present and past. Got I'd say so. Swag. We do. If you're watching the video on YouTube, yes. little plug. Yes. Uh, we do. We do have some new swag. Just came in the mail. Yeah, we're getting prepped for upcoming SmackDown mm-hmm. in like three three weeks, three ish weeks. Thereabouts. We're, yeah, we're going to a SmackDown in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. We'll probably we haven't talked about this, but we'll probably do an episode after that. Yeah, sure. As well, I think the live experience is is. Uh, very different, so mm-hmm. might be fun to talk about. Yeah, I think so. So we were lacking on um, swag from SmackDown people. So we got LA Knight. You got the LA Knight. Yes. Who was a SmackDown star, and yes. I have on The Undertaker, who once upon <laughs> a time did wrestle on SmackDown. Yeah, it still counts. I, I associated more with SmackDown than Raw, so okay, it works out. Yeah, and then we got a Brock Lesnar, which... I don't know if he'll wear or not, but yeah. it just I just wanted to have it. It was a cool shirt. <laughs> yep. Got the country ass kicking shirt. Yeah. That'll not be my, really. My weightlifting shirt. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, any any other news? I don't think so. Just mm-hmm. check us out on YouTube if you haven't already and you want to. Yeah. Otherwise, we're going to be here mostly every week talking about the ruthless aggression era we're kind of taking it one episode at a time. This week we're talking about Monday Night Raw mm-hmm. on July 1st of 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in Manchester, New Hampshire this week, sticking to the New England area. Manchester. Actually, no, we were in Chicago last time. I, so I we're in the northern both. parts. Okay. Doing a little northern tour before um, Vengeance. I thought they mentioned like Maryland. No, that's, I think I'm getting present um, and past day mixed up. I don't know why I remember this, but they're doing SmackDown in Boston. Okay. This, uh, the next show that we cover. Okay. So later this week. Okay. All right. In, in history. <laughs> okay. For all of our non wrestle fans who are watching out of obligation slash uh, morbid curiosity when i have you go ahead and pause the video um, you don't have to watch the wrestling episode we won't hold it against you but 
if you want to get in in the mood if you really want to just you want to be there go ahead and search across the nation by the union underground it's the theme song for monday night raw at this point just want you to go ahead and put that jam on i want you to get in the mood feel like you're there or maybe you just watched the episode, hopefully, and you heard it at the very beginning. <laughs> That's ideal, but you know, it's not required. Not but required. Um, hey, g- give us give the song a listen. Just it's a great there. song, so yeah, it's, it's a pretty good it's song. It's not going to hurt. Mm-hmm, absolutely. We, Across just, the nation. What's the name of the song? Yeah, mm-hmm, by the Union Underground. Gotcha. I have no idea what else they've done. Kind of a one-hit wonder, I'm going to assume. <laughs> Probably, but <laughs> it's a good song. what a hit it was. Yeah, it's a good song. Get you in the mood. So we open with uh, Paul Lesnar, or have I skipped Ed? Yeah, Paul Lesnar. I mean, sorry, Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Is that their like married couple name? <laughs> I saw Brock on my notes, and I just went to Lesnar, Paul Heyman, and Brock Lesnar. Yep, we got Brock and Heyman. They were they backstage, or are they in the ring? I think they come in the ring. Yeah, I thought they were in the ring. Yep, they come out and basically talking trash about RVD, (laughs) who uh, Brock had some beef with last week. Yeah. Um, Lost to him last week, technically, through disqualification. Um, And this is all coming from Paul Heyman, because Heyman is Brock's mouthpiece for the most part. Yeah, so a little... Maybe insider scoop for, again, the non-wrestling fans. Paul Heyman is kind of a larger set fella. He's kind of like a a henchman, I guess you would call him, or maybe a handler. Handler slash manager is kind of his role. So guys who, guys or, or girls who come in and have a lot of talent but don't necessarily know how to entertain as, as far as like on the microphone yeah um might get someone like paul Heyman because that's his main skill is being able to talk you up on the mic yeah he kind of rouses them up so like in past um era what he's doing with brock lesnar is he's kind of acting as his manager so like when the show opens paul Heyman is like, oh, you can do it. You can beat this guy. He's kind of a little bit of smack talking, but also he's trying to rouse things up, I think, but both with Brock, the wrestler, and then the crowd, too. Because Brock's really cool. He's really big. He's really strong. But he's not really dynamic on the mic. He doesn't have much of a personality. At this point. Yeah. I think, so, obviously, if, if you don't know, Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman are still very relevant today. In today's um, WWE, Brock Lesnar's improved a lot on the mic. I would say he doesn't have handlers or managers anymore. <laughs> but um, Heyman still kind of does that role, but for for Roman Reigns, but not mm-hmm. obviously Roman doesn't need him to do that. So it's mm. it's more of a develop. It's it's a different kind of role. Okay, but okay. maybe that's for a different time. Okay, before we get off the Heyman track. I wanted to ask if you knew, I didn't do any research, but I can if you don't know, um, was 
Paul a prior wrestler? Like, how how did he get into this very specialized role where he's not really wrestling and he's not really a commentator? He's just kind of there. His personality. Well, he he is the creator of ECW. Oh, that's right. You told me that. Yes. I keep so he created a company called uh, Extreme Championship Wrestling, which was kind of inspired a lot of the hardcore stuff that you see mm. in, in this era and even now with like ladders and tables and chairs. Mm, okay. um, a lot of that, I wouldn't say it all was created in ECW, but definitely it made wrestling a little bit more extreme. And that's kind of what made it popular. Gotcha. Heyman created that. And then uh, Vince in, in WWE either bought them out or just run, ran them out of business. But either way, Heyman comes over. Gotcha. You, out of you that. told me that and I just keep forgetting for some reason. I can't, can't commit that to memory, but okay. I, I have to wonder if he has some kind of history with wrestling, but I can look further back. Was he ever a wrestler? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe, but um, not that I've ever heard of. And I wouldn't be surprised if he never did. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Some well, people, some people well. like to be around the business, but, but never actually. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. So Paul's hyping him up. He's talking. Well, smack. he's talking trash about RVD. He talks about how Kurt Angle is an inspiration. Now he did his big challenge this previous week mm-hmm. on SmackDown. And so he, uh, issues his own challenge via, uh, Brock, uh, to any veteran in the locker room. Any veteran. Any veteran. Emphasis on veteran. <laughs> yep, no rooks this time around. <laughs> so, any veteran and who comes out? <laughs> the the very, um, might I say, perhaps geriatric looking Ric Flair. Wow. Throwing shade <laughs> on the nature boy. So, explain that name. I saw it was on the back of his coat. Nature boy, like, uh, uh, like he's feral? I don't know. That... Or... that... <laughs> That even, um, no, that's before my, well before my time. Oh, okay. Well, I had to do a deep dive yep. then. I have no idea. Okay. But he's looking half the height and half the just body mass of Brock Lesnar. But he's got all the flair. Oh, he's Rick got Flair. a lot of flair. Did we say his flair. name, Rick Flair? No, I don't think so. Rick Flair. Probably heard of him. I mean, he's, he was one of the most popular wrestlers in whatever decade he was in <laughs> but i mean sometime in the past he's still around at this point he is, he is looking a little older but i will say i feel like he's always looked old just because of he's got the beachiest blonde hair yeah it's just it's almost white yeah and he's which, real tan and he's very tan so he's looked i think he looks older than he even is yeah kind of throughout his whole career he certainly doesn't have the bodybuilder physique that like a Brock Lesnar has or RVD, the more the meaty guys. No, but um, as we saw in this match, he can still go Yeah, a little bit. It was pretty good. He got flipped and flopped around a little bit by Brock, which anyone does anytime they're against him because he's a beast. He is the beast. Um, but yeah, I mean, he held his own okay. Um, yeah, I... I <laughs> Thought it was funny every time Brock uh, gets out of a pin, he's like throwing Flair across the ring. <laughs> yeah. It's he's airborne a lot. Yeah, I thought it was funny that I feel like to us Brock was really uh, 
kicking tail, but one of the announcers said that Lesnar is a declawed kitten. <laughs> I believe it was JR that said that. Um, he has the funniest quips of a commentator. JR has a good night. This He'll come up many times, I think. He's, <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the great commentators. Uh, yeah, he's got some good good one-liners. Yes, yeah. Um, Flair gets a couple of... Well, I, I did want to mention, too, before even the match started, Flair said something about wanting revenge on Brock because he cost him raw. Mm. Like, there was some kind of raw... And we didn't see this. This was before we started covering... Um, episodes but uh apparently he had some match with vince and then i guess brock interfered and cost him the match mm. but anyway some some little weird background flavor to this match yeah one thing that i like so far about going back to ruthless aggression as compared to present day and this comes up all throughout this episode is they do such a good job of having motivating factors and also setting up the next week's matches. Yep. It feels very fluid and like there's something that's driving the plot, if you will. It doesn't feel like present day. A lot of times I feel more so with the um, Roman Reigns plot line. Oh my God, you're you such a hater. I, I said more so. More so. Not all the time. You're such a hater. But it feels like more so present day, there's not that much like driving each week, like setting up matches. I disagree. They do that every single week. If you pay if you pay attention and actually watch the shows, <laughs> they're setting up matches every week. They're very, I mean, every now and then you'll, you're going to have one that's like kind of out of nowhere. But okay. more, I mean, um, this is not going to age well, but think about Ricochet versus... Um, Shinsuke Nakamura this last week. That was set up the previous week and the previous week. I'm not saying they don't do it present They do day. it very often is what I'm saying. Okay. Well, what I'm saying is I feel like when they do the um, the mid-rolls or whatever, the, the little videos, that drives it home more. Mm. As opposed to present day, I'm going off on a tangent, present day, they do those vi little vignettes but a lot of times it feels like they are doing conflict for like the present episode or or they're like KO and Sammy are talking about something that happened like last episode and they're talking about it now. But I feel like with as we're going back and watching these, maybe I'm just paying more attention. I'll give you that. Um, it it feels like they're talking about, oh, I'm going to do that next week. And like they're propelling it forward a little bit more. I'm sure each episode is different. I'm just telling you my opinion. Okay. That's your opinion. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Okay. Okay. I wanted to point out too, Brock looks so much more like athletic and dynamic than we're used to Yeah. in the modern, modern era. Cause nowadays he's more of like a, he's, he's certainly still athletic, but, um, like he just looks so fast. He's got all these different moves. Mm -hmm. uh, nowadays it seems like he kind of goes back to like suplex city. Yeah. He stays and low. F fives. He, he sticks to his, his like few things, mm -hmm. but anyway, I th he, he, he wrestled. Okay. Um, Brock is a great wrestler. 
I think that he just lacks a little bit of the, like we're saying, personality. But even watching him now when he's newer, he, he does a great job. I mean, you see why he's is where he is. Yeah. He fights well. He kicks the crap out of Flair. He wins the match. There's really no, no surprises there. I think we should move on to the next thing, which mm-hmm. is the diva segment. Mm-hmm. Don't don't love these types of segments, but it, this was a lengthier one. Hey, there was no nudity, no lingerie, <sighs> and no. Um, I disagree. Boy baiting. Disagree. There was tor- in a weird way. In a weird way. So Molly Holly versus I didn't even catch her name. One of the divas. Jackie, I think. Jackie, okay. I'm not sure of the last name, but just Jackie something. Jackie, they're talking trash backstage. It's the same thing where like Molly is not playing into this diva thing. The diva is going to tease her about it. Molly drags Jackie out to the stage and they have a little brawl. Yeah. They end up in the ring. Molly's beating down this poor girl. (laughs) And then uh, Molly's headed out, but then Trish, Trish Stratus comes in. Yeah. And gets her back a little bit and then pulls her pants down. Oh, I guess I looked away. You didn't. So this is what I was talking about. So Trish pulls Molly's pants down and she's got, in quotes, granny panties. Oh, I see. And they're all making fun of her. Okay. Yeah. See, my brain does this fun little thing where if I don't really care about something, I just kind of stop paying attention. And that's probably what happened at that point. Um, Yeah, the... These moments get are so much worse because King is just being like a total scumbag about it the whole time. <laughs> did you notice he had on a shirt that said like I did, Diva yeah. Talent Scout or something? <laughs> Show me your puppies or something. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's gross. funny and disgusting at yeah. the same time. Yeah, it is gross. But just yeah. okay, was, shining moment. I must say, I love the name Molly Holly. It yeah. rhymes. It's catchy. I like her. I like that she's a little bit more bad. She's a little bit like, we're going to wrestle. We're not going to take our clothes off. So she's really in the running for one of my favorite uh, wrestler, female wrestlers, at least, of this time. So I'm liking and her. And, the, and that's funny because that's kind of like the opposite of what you were supposed to feel like. Mm-hmm. So going back and rewatching this. It's, it's a whole different perspective because Molly's kind of the one that's in the right here. Sure. She's just doing her, trying to do her thing. Sure, she could be kind of a jerk about it, but. Yeah, but um, she wants to wrestle for, to be a wrestler, not to be like a Playboy bunny model, but um, I tend to root for the underdog anyways. It does make you wonder if somebody was just trying to like subtly send that message of like, <laughs> all this is BS. And yeah. Everything we should starts as a joke, right? And then yeah. it's like, hold it's like, on. <laughs> well, but all the best villains are technically right, aren't they? they Maybe just, a little They're just bit. kind of a jerk. Just a little bit. At least in wrestling, sure. I'll give that one to you. But yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't a panty raid this time around, so I'm I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, pretty light actually on the diva stuff this time. Yeah. Which I think made it a pretty strong show. I don't mm-hmm. know if that has any anything to do with it, but. Uh, Christopher Nowitzki up next backstage talking about his match that he's about to go out and, and do against Bradshaw, who is the hardcore champion. Mm. Uh, Nowitzki is the Harvard guy. If no, you don't. I, I did recall. And you know, I love his shtick too. I'm, okay. I disagree. <laughs> it, uh, 
I'm Go really ahead. liking it. I because I like his um I like his kind of confidence. I mean it is a little like he's laying it cocky. on cocky. Yeah, he is a little cocky and he's laying it on thick. But I think he's doing it really well. Like he's kind of embodying that academic I kind of know more than you kind of character and I think he works it well. I did think it was funny in this backstage interview that he's saying like cuz the interviewer asked him like why why didn't you want this to be for the hardcore championship? He's like I don't want that. I don't want that thing. I don't want to deal with tables and ladders and <laughs> yeah. and chairs and all that and have yeah. to because you can defend the hardcore championship anywhere at any time. Mm. So that's kind of the background on that. So he's like I don't want anything to do with that. Yeah. He's almost, he's like a little sassy. Yeah. But I I like the character. I was much more into it today like on this episode than I was the last episode that he was on. Yeah. And I guess this was a hardcore match because there was a bunch of weapons and stuff. It didn't last long. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was so fast. Anytime there's a match like that, yeah, past or present that's like that, I have to wonder what in the world. Like it's like less than two minutes maybe. They're like in, they push each other around, bada bing, bada boom, tap out, done. They're trying to build this no whiskey mm, okay. guy. Yeah, this character. Just, yeah, they're just going through the motions. I don't know where it's going to go because, like I said, I don't think it goes far. Mm-hmm. But like, like you said, I mean, they're they are pushing him, so it makes you wonder like where, yeah, where he's going to run into a roadblock. I'm on board for now. I like yeah. seeing him. So then we have like a bunch of just backstage backstage stuff. We like do. A I lot. just I'm just looking now. Like I was thinking this whole show just felt so fast to me because like it's segment after segment. A couple, you know, we have some short matches and it's, there's a lot that happened this, there, there are at least a lot, a lot of segments anyway. It makes me wonder perhaps present day commercial breaks are a lot longer so they can't quite do as much narrative building with the backstage stuff and the videos. Um, cause I agree with you. Like it made this episode, it was like match video, match video and I think that's what makes me feel like it. There's there's so much driving it forward. Yeah, and I would say for sure, we should check that out sometime. I know this one was like an hour thirty six minutes of content mm-hmm. over two hours, so mm-hmm. that's like twenty twenty four minutes two, of two hours ads. or three hours. Uh, back back then it was just two hours. Oh, gotcha. Okay, three hours in modern day. Gotcha. Yeah, but so many backstage segments. We got RVD and Regal, William Regal first. I think we saw him last Raw. Uh, He's looking for Brock, looking for a fight. Uh, William Regal lets him know that Brock is already done for the night. He's already competed. Uh, So Regal instead accepts his challenge. He's kind of a funny looking guy, I feel, as far as the wrestling community goes. He's built like a British boxer in yeah. the like 1950s. He, yeah, he doesn't quite look like he fits. Yeah. Um, especially against RBD. 1920s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. That's the that's the the what popped into my head. Yeah. Um, he's got a build similar to Flair, I think. He's top heavy. Yeah. Kind of skinnier legs. Skin your arms too. He's got a big torso. <laughs> just a big and old not, barrel he's not fat. torso. <laughs> he's not fat. He's just like his he's, rib cage is massive. It's yeah. like a barrel. Yeah. 
Barrel chested. I guess that's that's where that comes yeah, from. Yeah, that's a thing. So uh, they they just set up that match for later in the episode. It's really not. Is it's the next match once we get through all these backstage yeah. segments? <laughs> We've got Jeff backstage. Uh, he's talking to an interviewer as well, talking about the Undertaker match and how like he's going to be out of his element. It's it's his thing, and he's he's going he's losing his mind. Yeah, basically they're just again setting up the ma- the match for later in the episode. Yep, and he's climbing up scaffolding and climbing up a ladder, yelling. Yeah, he looks. Jeff a is very kid. eccentric. Very. This episode, he's all I, over the place. I love the way he says "taker" though. Taker. Taker. Yeah. And I have decided in my own mind that that's how I will forever refer to Undertaker. Just Taker. Taker. I don't yeah. think I've ever heard like as many people say "taker," you know, as opposed to the yeah. full Undertaker as I have, especially in this episode. Even the commentators were calling him Taker. I think it's more of a casual term. Mm-hmm. And like with his dead man, his like phenom, um, you know, this guy on my shirt here, mm-hmm. the the hat and the gloves and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think he, he gets more reverence, so he's Undertaker. Mm-hmm. I think if you're referring to him more casually, <laughs> as you might, the biker badass guy, mm-hmm. um, maybe it's Taker. Okay. Okay. Good to know. That's my take on it. <laughs> We got Book Dust, your favorite <laughs> comedy duo. Yes. We got uh, Gold Dust dressed as Darth Vader. Did they reveal that in this clip or the later one? It was this one. Oh. I think. I don't yeah. know. He comes out and he does it again when he takes the hat off. Yeah, there are two. This is yeah. the first of two. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to call him Darth Dust. Darth Dust. For this episode. <laughs> okay. What do you think? Sure. Okay. <laughs> so basically a a guy dressed as a wrestler painted with painting painting his face in gold who goes by gold dust who is dressed up as Darth Vader with the helmet on role playing with another wrestler. Just <laughs> we got to go through the levels here. <laughs> a lot of levels. A lot of levels. A lot of layers. It's so, a pretty funny segment though cuz uh Booker takes the <laughs> Takes the the lightsaber that he has and says he's about to get medieval. And a good little comedy yeah, segment. They're both a little outrageous. Booker T, I don't know why, but something about him is... it. Now, I like an outrageous character, but it leans almost like he's trying really hard is how I feel. And it it kind of like turns me off from the character a little bit. Um, trying too hard to be funny or funny and also just just being like with the hand thing when he wrestles and he kind of shakes his head all crazy i don't know it just seems like he's really trying to hmm. to, to be eccentric i, I don't really I don't get know. that i, I mean and, I, it feels just, like him it yeah. feels pretty authentic to me but maybe that's just because i i've watched him for a long time yeah some people hit for me and some people don't. And he's just not hitting for me on this episode. Fair enough. <laughs> How about Eddie Guerrero and Vince McMahon backstage? Yeah, so I think that's a good comparison with Eddie Guerrero because he also is just a little bit kooky crazy. He's a little bit energetic. He's a kind, you know, he's, you can tell he doesn't want to stand still, which maybe d- due to a substance and or other 
thing that he's intaking. I don't know. But that feels like a little bit more genuine. Like he, he, I can just feel that he has so much energy and he's moving and he's pumped up. Um, as opposed to, I don't know, just putting on this show in a way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're just kind of setting up their match for later in the show too, right? Yeah, Chris Benoit comes up as well. They're all having a chat. We find out that apparently Chris Benoit has been out for over a year with, I assume, an injury. But he was on the last episode, though, wasn't he? Out of ring. Yeah. So I think they probably have had him on TV. Okay. Maybe the last few weeks, but um, he's not been in a match for over a year. Mm. Okay. Yeah, well, just sets it up. Tells you what to expect, basically. Now we've got that RVD versus William Regal match. Mm-hmm. Uh, Regal comes out. Apparently, he's the European champion, which <laughs> I don't can't recall if we've seen him with that belt yet. A lot of championships in in uh, this old WWF so WWE. You said I'm sorry. What was it called? The what? European. European. Is that the same as present day Intercontinental that Gunter nope. has? Nope. Intercontinental. RVD is the Intercontinental Champ. So European Champ has no championship, has no lineage at this point. It's just retired. Which I think think we're in a better spot nowadays. It feels... I think when you have a lot of belts, it cheapens having a belt. Yeah. So, because, I mean, you had the Hardcore Championship, which we just saw. That doesn't exist anymore. Um European championship doesn't exist. Uh, Cruiserweight championship doesn't exist. Yeah. Now we're down to like four singles belts. So. Anyway, we've got RVD and Regal out there. Um, they had a match. Yeah, it's pretty basic. Yeah. The crowd was loving RVD. I wrote down. Um, he is a fan favorite, and then within 10 seconds, I think JR said, we got RVD, the fan favorite here. <laughs> he is. I mean, him and um, Jeff Hardy to steal the show. Yeah. And I guess RVD is kind of your, you know, technically you're like number two guy since mm-hmm. he's the Intercontinental Champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like your, I don't know if we've seen the United States Championship. I don't know if that's a thing yet. I'm not sure. But... He he's one of the bigger draws. Obviously, they're putting they're putting him in this feud with Brock. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of which, Brock and Heyman do come out after RVD finishes off Regal with a frog splash, and we set up a match. I think our first match for Vengeance. Vengeance. Yes, that sounds our first so pay per view. Diabolical. I love it. I, this is one of my favorite themed um, pay per views okay. from this day. It's not around anymore, but I always um, thought it was really cool. Yeah. That and like Bad Blood. There's a lot of cool, um, cool like themes on pay-per-views that I kind of miss. Yeah. I think when we get to that and I mean, we're three weeks out from it um, as of this episode. uh, I think when we get to it, there's going to be some great matches. RVD and Brock. I mean, that's great. It's a good, good duo. Yep. RVD and Brock. Um, we've got our next match. Mm-hmm. The Dudleys. The Dudleys. A, a version of the Dudleys. So, Bub, I don't, 
we haven't seen this, but Bubba and Devon Dudley mm-hmm. are the original Dudleys. They've since parted ways, and Spike Dudley is kind of the third one. Okay. He's like the cousin or something. <laughs> <laughs> he's a little scrappy looking. Spike, yeah, he's he's interesting. We can talk about him. Uh, they're going up against Eddie and Chris Benoit. Yes, yeah. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go ahead and skip forward. Okay, the Dudleys win, which was very surprising to me. Right? Don't they? They get the count. The yeah, pin Bubba pins Eddie. Yes. Okay. So I just I want to I want to hit that first and then go back. This felt like a huge match to be in the middle of the show, or hmm. roughly in the middle of the show. You think so? I felt like it was um, huge in what way? I felt like Eddie and Chris went full out. Even there were a few points where it felt like. I wanted to ask you, you know, when Chris was holding um, Bubba in that submission, I guess it's called. Yeah, crossface. Um, it felt, it almost veered a little bit into like, he's not letting go, but he he should be. I don't know. Did you perceive that or no? Um, no. So I was, I actually thought it was a pretty sloppy looking match because... You've got Chris Benoit, who's not been there for over a year, and Eddie, so that so they haven't really had time together. Eddie's not really a tag team guy, so I doubt they've really had much time with Bubba and Spike. So there were lots of miscommunications, I noticed. Yeah. And botched moves, even. I, there was that Benoit suplex on Bubba, Bubba Ray, who it, it, it knocked him on his neck and yeah. head. Yeah. It did not look intentional. So, I agree. When I say a big match, I mean um, effort because Mm. it felt like everyone was giving 100%, whereas in a tag team, it usually feels like, okay, I'm going to give 50%, and then my tag team partner is going to give 50%. It kind of felt like everybody was going in like as if it was a one-on-one match Mm. um, is how it appeared to me. Um, and then it, it felt like a long match, like they fought for a really long time. So it just felt like a bigger match in the middle of the show. Um, it didn't seem intentional to me, but I mean, they did. Um, you did have the the tables come out at the end. And Chris Benoit, like you said, Bubba and Spike win. But then uh, the after the bell the tides kind of turn and like Benoit and Eddie are kind of beating down on them. And there's a table set out, set up outside the ring that Benoit basically throws uh, spike out of the ring through the table, which is not, if you've seen Spike Dudley wrestle, this happens quite a bit. <laughs> he's like a human crash dummy basically. Oh, okay. Cause he's so small. Yeah. And I guess like, if you don't have that much weight on you, I guess you can just get thrown around yeah. a lot without getting hurt as much. So that's kind of like his thing. Yeah. Chris was very physical, very, he was aggressive in this match. It felt like, like, yeah. I don't know if he had just held back because he'd been out for so long and he was just letting loose or what, but. It also, I mean, this duo with Eddie and, and Benoit seems like they're trying to make them out to be like a really killer tag team at this point was eddie more of a newer wrestler or has he been around for a long time 
He's been around, but I think like Rey Mysterio, he ha- he spent a lot of time in WCW, I think. Mm. You might have to fact check me on that. But I, I know he's been around for a while. Um, I want to say even Rey Mysterio like looked up to Eddie Guerrero mm. um, as a kid, which Rey Mysterio at this point, we haven't seen him yet, but he basically is still a kid in a lot of ways. We haven't, and... <laughs> We have yet another promo that he is coming. Did we get one this right? Yeah, right after this match, we had another. He is coming, Mysterio promo. Like we'll eventually see him. Goodness gracious! Might be vengeance. Might be after vengeance. Who knows? So is he? I mean, is he so big that they can do promos and be like, "This this guy is coming, big time." I don't know. They do that. There was a joke like. I don't know, a couple of years ago where they oh, they did that for this guy. I forget who it was, Veer or something. Mm. Some uh, Indian wrestler. They did. They kind of played a little promo for him for weeks and he never, ever, <laughs> he never debuted. So hmm. I think they it's, it's easy to just slip it in there. Mm. I guess it's like low effort, like getting you f- familiar with someone before they debut. Mm. Building hype, I guess. It's it's just so interesting. I love the I would love to have a deeper dive into like the reasoning for why um, WWE does some of the things they do. Like they they have some people like that where they'll have all these promos and they'll push really hard and they it's like they really want you to know who this person is. And then they have these other people like Batista, John Cena. They're like, yeah, just get out there, just whatever you know, whatever you want to do, just go out in the ring. <laughs> We'll figure it out later. <laughs> Those guys are unproven, though. I mean, they didn't really know what they had with them, I don't think. Right, which is, I, I want to know, like, what? Why Why do you think certain people are going to succeed versus others, and then it's opposite? Well, I will say Rey Mysterio is proven. Mm. He's already been in WCW. On television, I'm assuming, I didn't watch him in WCW, but I'm, I know he was he was a big deal there. So, oh. he is proven. More so than John Cena or Batista, yeah. which is kind of crazy to think about. But yeah, because yeah. Rey Mysterio is still going today. He's still going. He is. He's kind. Of, he's crazy. <laughs> I think being small is like a blessing in disguise. Yeah, yeah. You can go for longer, certainly. Yeah, it's not as hard on you. So then we have what Darth Vader again. Darth Gold Dust. Dust. Darth Dust. Darth Dust. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's with Big Show backstage. He's doing his thing. He says, I am your father. And then he hits, for some reason, he hits the Big Show with his, his uh, plastic lightsaber. And there's there's a brawl backstage. Nat, uh, Kevin Nash comes up to help him out. Uh, basically, Gold Dust is out of, Darth Dust, Gold Dust is out of action for the rest of the show. Yeah. And he tells Big Show, we got one of them, go get the other one referring to Booker T get the job done where I'm going to come out there and kick your ass. Yeah. A lot of NWO in fighting, uh, intrigue. NWO. They're a family, but an act- there's some tough love. They're an actual family. No, or? no. How, so at this point, well, I won't skip ahead. I'll wait okay. for that one. Yep. We got more of that coming up. Yeah. Uh, Undertaker or Taker, Tiker, mm-hmm. backstage interview. 
talking to an interviewer. Uh, tra- he's trash talking everybody. He's trash talking Kurt Angle, mm-hmm. who he's going to face at, at the next SmackDown for the undisputed title, provided that he still has it. Uh, and also trash talking The Rock still. Mm-hmm. He's he's not over King of the Ring yet. Uh, the interviewer points out that he's never been in a ladder match, and Undertaker gets offended and ends the interview. <laughs> he's offended. Offended. Taker has been offended. X-Pac is backstage, but he's not conscious. He's uh, splayed out through it through some kind of like coffee table or something and we're led to believe that this was booker t but we booker t never owns up to it so we'll never know yeah they're just getting getting it set up for the next match and big show is back there witnesses it he's really angry he's coming out for his next match against booker t um and yeah we have booker versus big show yeah um weird intro for big show yeah, because they do the, they do the beginning of his intro like well, you know, and then they start playing the NWO, yeah, um, and kind of guitar. I am not a big fan of like the black and white, um, the way they like shoot him coming out with the camera. It's like black and white, but they do that a lot. I feel like with flashbacks in wrestling, they'll use a similar camera technique. So as I as I'm watching it, and I would think as the viewer is watching it, you're seeing it in like a kind of muted color, black and white. And so for a minute, I'm always, you know, of the two times that I've seen him come out, I'm like, oh, this is a flashback. And then I'm like, oh, oh no, 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 wait, we're actually in the match now. And then all of a sudden it switches back to color vision. It's very disorienting. I'm not a fan. <laughs> I agree. I think it's, it feels very dated even for this time. Yeah. Like even for 2002, like it feels like, it's like four years too old, too <laughs> yeah. out of date. It's and weird. I, this whole group with the, this current version of the NWO feels like it's, it's just not going to last. It feels weird and haphazard and pieced together. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, in this, at the end of this match, uh, Big Show gets counted out, which we don't see much in the modern day anymore. I, this, I mentioned to you how. I bet you've never seen somebody get counted out before. Yeah. yeah, that was the first time. When they got to 10, I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> In the modern day, it's like everybody lays there until 9, and then they just miraculously yeah. um, apparate into the ring. Apparate. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> this was a weird match from start to end for me. The The weird intro was weird. Um, it was the first count out I've seen. I felt like... To, to Booker T's credit of all the critique I give, because he's so over the top, he does sell it very well. So I guess that was a plus of this match. And then at the end, I've never seen a wrestler do what Booker, Booker T did. He just kind of like went out and started walking in the crowd. Um, oh, yeah. Which was... Yeah, he knew something was coming with the whole NWO thing. He's like, I am not going through... I'm not going through the curtains up there because I know who's waiting for me. So oh, I'm okay. out. That expo- I thought he was just like, nah, I'll just go No, he's crowd. like, yeah, I'm good. I'm just I'm getting out of here. <laughs> okay. I will say Booker, he's very athletic, especially yeah. when he does his high kick thing. And I've seen some clips of him in WCW, which I think, uh, again, didn't witness it 
uh, firsthand, but from what I can gather, that was kind of like his peak was in WCW. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a, he's a, he seems like he was even more athletic then, like a jump so high. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think my theory is that I think he's like, this is kind of the last, uh, kind of the later stages of his career mm-hmm. slash prime. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of an observation that I had there. Mm. Uh, but yeah, Booker escapes. Kevin Nash and Shawn Michaels come in. They're pissed. Kevin Nash. He has a unique face. <laughs> Um, almost like it's familiar to me. Like I've seen him. Does he do any kind of present day commentary or sports? Not really. He's not, he doesn't have any official positions, but he's definitely in like documentaries. He's in a lot of documentaries and stuff. So he's out there. Okay. He's got like the, he's got like the short hair nowadays. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's got long hair now. Yeah. I mean, I would say he's, he's like a familiar looking guy. Yeah. So basically, they just have like a little infighting thing. Kevin Nash and Big Show trade a couple punches. Sean breaks them up, and then Sean goes on this rambling thing about how there's going to be a new member coming soon, but he's injured currently, and it's not X Pac who is just dead. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> we don't care about him really. He's it's a spoiler alert. It's Triple H. Yeah, and he takes forever to get to that point. Oh, my gosh. He burned some TV time there for sure. Yeah, he was walking with the mic. He was turning circles. I think I said at one point, I can't believe he's not dizzy. I mean, he's just walking Makes you wonder if he had like a timer that he was looking at in the background. Like, you got to fill up this time. And he's like, I only have one thing to say. (laughs) I'm going to have to really draw this out. Yeah. And he did. So he makes, long story short... (laughs) He makes this big announcement that Triple H is joining NWO. Although no, Triple H has not said anything of the sort. It was just apparently this fleeting moment at King of the Ring where Triple H seemed a little friendly. So it's kind of <laughs> like a little friendly. <laughs> yeah. So it's almost like when like a creepy guy kind of takes takes it takes like a compliment the wrong way. Uh-huh. I don't know. We'll we'll see how it plays out, but that's how. Like how many that would make how like six people be in NWO at this point? Yeah, and for a second you thought they were going to kick out Big Show because they uh, Sean eventually does get Big Show and Kevin to to shake hands, and then out of nowhere Sean does his sweet chin music, the super kick. That's the (laughs) yeah. That's such a funny sweet chin music on the Big Show, and then he's like. Then they're walking, Nash and uh, Sean are walking out and they're like, come on. Yeah, they're going to have to figure their stuff out. The tough out. love thing. Yeah. So that, Big Show's still in apparently I if mean, he chooses to be. It's hard to follow that plot line. I'll continue to, you know, see how it plays out. But as of now, mentally, I'm like, okay, NWO stuff to the side. We'll figure that out later. It feels irrelevant too because a lot of these guys are... I would say, except for maybe the big show or kind of past their prime a little bit. Mm. I mean, Shawn Michaels, though. Yeah. You're right. He, he feels like he's in like an interlude, though, because I yeah. feel like he has great stuff after this and before this. So it's, maybe it's just, just the group that's weird. Yeah, it's a weird vibe. We got Taker and Vince backstage talking up 
Uh, we, we get another match set for Vengeance. Mm-hmm. The Undertaker versus The Rock, whether The Undertaker has the championship or not, mm-hmm. to which The Undertaker takes great offense. Taker's getting a lot of backhanded compliments or he backhanded is. comments, on, comments this, yeah. on this mat on this uh, episode, I mean. Yep. And he's like, well, what do you mean about that? <laughs> and Vince is like, eh, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> We got Jeff Hart or both of the Hardys backstage, the Hardy brothers, boys backstage. And we see that Lita is back. She's got her neck in a cast. Mm-hmm. I think she broke her neck or something. So is she, so they're like a little trio kind of thing. Yeah. At this time and Matt and Lita are together though. Spoiler alert. There's about, there is drama happening as this episode is going on because i don't want to spoil it too much but <laughs> I, under- I understand that there was some interminglings that were happening in real life there was a little bit of and we'll get there because because they end up like wwe always does they bring the reality into the product so we'll get to talk about it more then but we'll just say lita and matt are gonna have some problems Mm -hmm, in -hmm. the near future so stay tuned (laughs) stay tuned tuned. in the next couple years it's it's gonna get nasty yeah but anyway jeff is continuing to lose his mind just like yelling and hitting things and running out of the room he's a little cuckoo magoo as we like to say and here we are we're speaking of we're at the main event, and what a main event it was. Oh, this was a doozy of an episode. I mean, this main event was like, I felt like it was premium event level. For sure. Um, Can I say what it was real quick? Oh, yeah, sure. I don't think we covered it. We did last week, but we have Jeff Hardy versus The Undertaker in a ladder match. Mm-hmm. For, with, with just one ladder. Which... For the Undisputed Championship. I think there were multiple. Oh, well, there are some under the ring. It's not like nowadays where they have ladders on the stage, in the ring, yeah, in the like stands. Yeah, they've got yeah, like 10 ladders. This is like one. They've got like 30 ladders nowadays. But <laughs> yeah. Now it's like one is out there. And if you want more, there are more under the ring. Gotcha. Okay. But I, I when Jeff came out, like, he looked wow. like he just got, took a hit off of something and he was, <laughs> he was buzzing. He was glowing. <laughs> He had like glow paint all over him. He's doing his dance. He, he is vibing. Like, he was like at a rave on ecstasy. I wouldn't be surprised if he was mind. on if he was on something. But he sure. he looks super cool. And by the way, just I want to say before we get started with this match, this is like one of the more famous matches that I'm aware of, oh. like in this era. Oh, okay. This is a big match. There's. We'll get to some of the famous moments too, but just wanted to point that out. Oh. It was big. It like the the effort, the um, the moves, the length of the match. It it had premium event written all over it. So I guess yep. my question is, I'm wondering why why they did go all out for this one. It just happened that way. Well, 
Let's talk about that in a minute. Can I talk okay. about how it gets started? Because I thought it okay. was this, the beginning of this match was so cool. Okay. Because obviously Jeff is this huge underdog. Uh-huh. So he comes out, he sits on Undertaker's bike, <laughs> which obviously brings Undertaker out, mm-hmm. out of the ring. Jeff runs around him into the ring mm-hmm. while Undertaker's turning around. He drop kicks the ladder into the Undertaker and knocks him over. And then he goes and like jumps over the ropes and onto him out of the ring and then hits him with a chair. <laughs> it's like, wow, he couldn't have had a better start to this match for yeah. Jeff. I do like, I think it's tough sometimes watching a match when you have a really tall, heavy guy against a small, short, scrappy guy, um, which is what's happening here. I think it can be difficult with the physical dynamics of it because you've got two very different wrestling styles. But um, Jeff Hardy is very good about being the scrappy guy with the bigger guy. I think he does that really well, like you're saying. he It's almost like he's running circles around him. It makes for a good entertaining match. I think those that makes some of the best matches too. Yeah. It's when you have a size mis- mismatch. Yeah, it, it can. But I feel like I've seen a lot of matches p- more present day where hmm. it just doesn't look right. It's hmm. not working for me anyway. Okay. Uh, so what's next? It, I mean, I would say it's mostly a, an undertaker beat down for a good while. He does have a chance to get, get up and grab the belt. He, he's climbing the ladder. He looks at it. He looks at Jeff. Jeff isn't quite down yet. He's kind of, he's still standing. I think that's where, which is the theme of this match. Jeff was, is still standing. Yeah. And so undertaker says, no, I'm not done. Jeff took a lot of pain. Um, you're going to hate me for saying this. Oh my God. Uh, okay. I felt like Taker didn't fully sell the, um, it was difficult to watch him like totally, I mean, just beat Hardy down with with the chair, with the ladder, throw him over, have him on the ground, go up the ladder, and then on the final step, look down and be like, well, I guess I got to beat him up some more. You know, like, it's like, what are you doing? I, I disagree. I feel like he sold it just fine. Okay. I mean, he said before the match, like, I'm going to make sure he's not standing mm-hmm. at, the, at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it wasn't just his goal to win. It was like, this kid keeps bugging me <laughs> and it's not going to happen anymore. Yeah. And this was still early in the match. So I don't, I don't even blame him for It was a continuing. long match, man. I mean, it, we almost needed the intermission for that match. Yeah. It was long painful at times it was a long match um we did have a couple of jeff hardy surges where it looked like he he was about to win i mean a couple times he he gets almost up there undertaker comes back and grabs him off of it yeah um but every time he kind of like counters hits him with, with a chair at one point and we get the famous called by uh, Jim Ross, mm-hmm. climb the ladder, kid, make yourself famous. <laughs> they, they did such a good job of selling, like, this could happen. And mm-hmm. how crazy would it be if this happened? Yeah, it certainly felt crazy. It was a crazy match. I feel like if you were to peek behind the curtain, 
prior to this show, I could just see Jeff Hardy talking to The Undertaker and being like, listen, we're going to go all out. It's going to be crazy. I want you to beat me till I'm bloody. Like, Jeff Hardy is the kind of guy that I feel like you could punch him and then he would just look at you and be like, do it harder next time. Like, (laughs) (laughs) he just wants to have the crap beat out. Yeah. And that's like what made, that's another part that did make him famous. It's like, he just. He goes for it. He has, yeah, and he he's willing to take so much punishment, which maybe was the reason why his career went the way it did. Yeah. But it is fun to watch. I could see him being a big liability for And he the was. Company. He certainly was. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get to that. <laughs> okay. Uh, I look forward to that because I, I don't really know a lot about kind of what changed his course how yeah. he evolved so we'll get there but ultimately it was a very good match well we should say undertaker wins undertaker obviously wins. He, obviously he gets the, he gets the, although at the time i would say it wasn't that obvious it, it seemed beforehand it would be like yeah obviously he's not going to lose but during that match they did such a good job of selling it might happen yeah it, it was, was a good it match. was believable that yeah. jeff could have won he just kind of he was so kind of tactical about about it and creating mm-hmm. those openings. Mm-hmm. He really had a chance. Yeah. And I, I think this is really what put Jeff Hardy on the map, too. Mm. I think this launched his career. But, um, I, I do want to get to the part, too, where he, after after the bell, Undertaker kind of does goes out and he's headed back. Jeff gets up. He goes in. He, he, he power bombs him the last ride. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff grabs the mic again for whatever reason and starts <laughs> oh, he saying like, I'm awful. still, yeah. Like he's got a punctured you lung or something. Me. He's like, <laughs> I'm still standing. <laughs> he's, he's, he sounds so weird on the mic. I'm not really sure what that's about. But I, it sounded like. It's not a Southern accent. No, he sounded like he got the wind knocked out of him or something. It, it was painful. So Taker comes back. He's, he's about to punch him. But then he stops, and instead he raises Jeff's hand as a show of respect. It was a little bit of a weird ending. I think it's a great ending. And it's, <laughs> it's it's iconic, too, because like you've earned the Undertaker's respect after fighting him for weeks now. Oh, okay. I guess. And he cannot break you. Hmm. And so he's finally like, well, you got my respect. Okay. So that's why I think this... This is just like one of the career-defining moments for Jeff Hardy. Mm. I think it's hard for me to read into things like that and see the context. Without the context, I'm like, well, that's kind of a weird ending. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, maybe I just don't. I don't understand maybe the meaning behind what he's doing. But. So that brings us to the end of Raw. Um, what What did you think about the show overall? It was a very good show mm-hmm. as um, just like in present day, Raw brings it every time. Great show. Um, a bit long at times, but it wasn't not in a bad way. Just in a like, holy moly, like how long are these matches going? Like not as long as uh, modern day Raw. Right. Because... As in total length, but there's so much yeah. content. There's a lot, a lot of stuff going on and Definitely felt like, I don't know, maybe it's just hindsight, but it feels like the the roster was more stacked back then. You don't have too many 
you have so many Hall of Famers. Yeah. In every, almost every single match, notwithstanding, like Nowitzki does wasn't isn't, and I mean, the majority of the other folks are all timers. You know. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, in every one of those matches. Like, well, other than that really quick win that we just talked about, um, they are like, they are bringing it, like putting, putting it on display, the moves, the mic stuff, like they are bringing it hardcore as opposed to feel like present day. It's like 50% of the time we'll bring it pretty good. 50% of the time we're just kind of going through the motions until we get to the next premium event is how it feels sometimes. But yeah. I will say too, like Raw during this time was very much still the A show because it was the original weekly show. Mm-hmm. And then they split off into Raw and SmackDown. Um, SmackDown, I think, was kind of set up to be the B show, mm-hmm. but they kind of overachieved in a lot of ways, I think. SmackDown With, did? SmackDown did. Mm. But that's also why I think I think Raw is a little bit more safe. They have kind of more established guys. Whereas like on SmackDown, you've got John Cena getting time mm. at this early stage and Batista mm-hmm. and, and Randy Orton. So it very much feels like, and even t- today in the modern era, they've kind of set it up to be the same where SmackDown is almost like the um, land of opportunity. Yeah, there's some wild cards. And, and Raw is more of the established thing. So maybe that's, you know, maybe that's what they're trying to do in the modern era too. Yeah, but it'll be hard to it. replicate. But I don't hate it. I, I think yeah. it gives, you know, some randos some opportunities to kind of rise up and get more screen time. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what kind of talent develops. But it's a great episode. I'm excited for the next SmackDown. I'm having a good old time. Yeah, and I'm excited <laughs> as well. We'll be back next week. For our next episode of Thursday Night SmackDown. Oh, Thursday Night. Ugh, that just does not roll off the tongue. I know. I, I don't know why that is. Thursday Night versus Friday Night. Yeah. It's, in my head, it's Friday Night SmackDown. It's That's been Friday how- Night for a long time, but I don't know what I like better. It was kind of nice having something to do on Thursdays. Yeah. But, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.